0: Hi, welcome to the Branch Life Podcast. We're so happy you're joining us on our journey through the book of Matthew. Join us today as we talk through the way Jesus instructed us to live the good life. Hey, welcome to Branch Life Church. We're glad you're joining us on this special Sunday. This is a bonus episode in the Good Life series that we just wrapped up. You've asked questions and today we have answers. So thanks for joining us. If you missed any of this series, it's all available on our YouTube channel. Love for you to go there and subscribe and uh, on our website at branchlife.church. While you're there, would you take a moment and sign the connection card? Let us know that you have participated in this online worship event. Even if you've done it months to weeks after it's premiered, we'd love to know that you worshiped with us and and that you have uh, responded and connected in the this way. So hey man, thanks for joining. Thanks for everybody who's been giving to Branch Life on a regular basis. It's been awesome. Your guys' gifts have meant a lot to me, a lot to the church, and a lot to our community connections programs. You can give anytime at branchlifechurch give and those gifts go a long way. Thank you, thank you, thank you so much for giving. This is a special Sunday at Branch Life Church at our live service. We are welcoming five new families to Branch Life. We are so excited about these families joining us and being better together with Branch Life Church. These are families that have connected with us during this season, during the pandemic, during our online streaming, and now that we've launched our brand new campus. We wanna say a huge welcome to these five families We're so glad that they are becoming a part of Branch Life Church and that they're going to build Branch Life Church into the future. God has gifted each one of these families with special gifts and special talents that they can use in a special way to make Branch Life Church whole. Hey, if you're ready to become a part of Branch Life Church, we'd love to have you join the team. Even if you've never come in person, even if you're just a part of our digital uh, ministries, we're glad that you are a part of our family. And so you can go to the website there, go to the next step tab. And if you want to connect further, uh, click on the card that talks about becoming a core team member. Uh, We want to stay connected with you and we have virtual options for you to be all in. With us here at Branch Life Church. And when you're ready, when it's time, we want to invite you, if you're local, to come to our local campus and be a part of what God is doing. So a huge shout out and a huge welcome to these five families. They're all getting t shirts. They're being celebrated live and in person this Sunday. And we're glad that you can celebrate with us here and now. Well, we're going to dive into this special bonus episode of the Good Life series and see what questions you've had and what some of those, talk about those answers together. In the end, we're going to talk about. Freedom true freedom and what it means to be free. We're also gonna show you what's next for branch life and how you can jump into this next series as we continue on. Hey, if you fill out your connection card and give us your address, we'd love to send you this Matthew journal. Uh, This is the book of Matthew is in here, plus places for you to write notes down as we travel through this book for the rest of 2020 and into uh, the rest of 2021 into 2022. Time is going fast. So let's pray together, and then we'll kick off this brand new series. God, thank you for these new families that are joining Branch Life Church. Thank you for our friends who are are, uh, worshiping with us online today. And in this moment, God, would you bless them? Would you teach them? Would you encourage them through the time that we have together? in your word. Continue to build your church, Lord. Continue to change our world for the good. In your precious name, we pray. Amen. All right, if you have your journals, if you have your Bibles, jump into Matthew 7, and we're, we're doing this bonus episode of The Good Life. <laughs> grab your journals, go to Matthew chapter 7. Uh, in your journals, you can follow along. We are just finishing the end of the chapter, the end of the Sermon on the Mount, And Today, we're going to talk a little bit about freedom as well as answer your questions. Listen, July 4th is all about freedom, and we as Americans love freedom. We love to celebrate freedom. We love being free. We love uh, the freedom of religion, the freedom of speech, and all the stuff that it means to be American today. Hey, I know that it's been a hard year, and it's been a hard couple of years, but as people celebrate uh, freedom and, and this country, remember this. We still live in the greatest country of all time, and God has blessed us with the privilege of being alive now and being a part of uh, of America, being a part of this free country. So we're thinking about this idea of freedom and what it means to be truly free. And is anyone ever free? Jesus is going to talk to us about that at the end of his sermon on the mount. There's, There's other things that have made us think about freedom. We have a brand new federal holiday all about freedom. Uh, Juneteenth is when the slaves in Texas, two years after the Emancipation Proclamation, two years after everyone in the country was set free, just found out that they were actually free, that they were no longer slaves. So we have a brand new federal holiday. Uh, The entertainment world is buzzing because Britney Spears wants to be free. She wants to be in charge of her own life. She wants to be free from whatever the judge has ordered to make her dad, and she's in her 30s or whatever it is, and people seem to about this. I don't know why, but let's set Britney Britney free is like this hashtag that's been trending on Twitter for a long time. So freedom is a big deal. And we're going to talk about that in this bonus episode. You guys have asked questions all along the way about the Sermon on the Mount. And we've taken three of your questions and we're going to highlight them here today in this bonus episode. The third question is going to take us into this topic of freedom. As we get to the end of the Sermon on the Mount, this incredible teaching that Jesus gave, this, this, this uh, most, lengthy, most lengthy talk from Jesus where he is giving just incredible insight. Remember in the story of Matthew, Matthew is telling us who Jesus is, born of a virgin, prophecy fulfilled, miracle worker. Now all these people have come to check him out. You've got followers of Jesus. You've got people who are trying to find Jesus, are trying to figure him out. You've got people fighting against Jesus on this mountain, and he teaches them, and we have it all recorded for us here. It ends with this, these verses in Matthew chapter seven, verse twenty-eight. And when Jesus finished these sayings, remember everything that we've talked over the last couple of months, the crowds were astonished at his teaching, for he was teaching them as one who had authority. And not one of their scribes. Now, imagine for a second that you're sitting there on the side of the mountain and you just heard Jesus Himself teach. You heard this entire sermon. You heard all the teaching from the beginning to the end. It took a long time. It probably was a couple of hours that they were out there. They were probably hungry at this point. But this is the guy that born of a virgin. This is the fulfiller of prophecy. Some say he's the coming Messiah. This is the guy that does miracles. And you've just heard this radical teaching from Jesus. How would you respond? How do you think you would react to these words you coming in with all of your baggage, with all of your questions, with all of your religious systems, with your background, and you hear Jesus proclaim his teaching, what do you think you would do? Well, there was likely five different reactions, very common reactions to hearing Jesus speak. Maybe you would find yourself in one of these reactions. Maybe you're someone who just would flat out simply deny it, right? And this this would a lot of times come from the camp of people who were fighting against Jesus. They weren't really there with an open mind anyway, so they just wanted to deny. Not true. I don't believe it for a second. I'm moving on with my life. Let's get this guy. And sometimes when you hear Jesus or you hear the Bible or you hear someone teaching God's word, a lot of times we just simply deny it. I don't believe it. I don't believe that he rose from the dead. I don't believe that Jesus does miracles. I don't believe that the word of God is truth. And sometimes, a lot of times, we we just deny? Just say, hey, I, I hear what you're saying, but it's not for me. Would that be your reaction to Jesus? Remember, this is pretty radical stuff. This is, this is, uh, this is life change. This is going to cause a total turnaround. There were people there on that mountain that just said, thanks, but no thanks to Jesus. Hey, if you're here and you're listening and trying to investigate about who Jesus is and, and you don't believe in God, you don't believe in Jesus as the Son of God, you, you just are, are not ready for that yet. And you're just saying, I don't think I believe it. I, I want to say to you that I, I, I love you. You are still someone who is dear to us at Branch Life Church, and you are welcome here. You don't have to believe to belong. You don't have to, to buy into everything that's saying. If you want to continue on your journey with us, we, we love you and we want to have a safe place for you to ask questions, for us to talk things true and for us to learn from each other. So stay connected, keep leaning in and maybe you'll hear something new. Maybe you'll hear something that would be a challenge or, or an encouragement to you along the way. But thanks a lot for being here and being a part of it. Now there were some on that mountain that probably just got distracted. And this probably by far is the most common reaction to Jesus. It's just simply distraction. Jesus says, hey, thanks for coming. I'm done. He closes in prayer. And then imagine the mom with all the kids and she's like, all right, kids, let's pack up our blag. Let's get our lunch. Johnny, there's a little trash over there. We've got to really hoof it if we want to make it back to the donkey in time to beat traffic. And they just start to go on with life. They start answering their text messages. they start jumping into their social media feeds to see what they they did they're planning their next meal and and how they're going to get from here to there or they see a friend oh junior I didn't know you were here today man it's been a long time oh your hair looks great and all of a sudden everything that they talk gets put in the back they don't start thinking about it they don't process it and they've become distracted listen distraction uh, to Jesus is one of the hugest issues of our generation and our time. We are moving from event to event, from uh, screen to screen, from, from meeting to meeting at a rapid pace. There's a lot of things that vie for our attention and distract us from what God is trying to say, what God is trying to do. And imagine Jesus himself coming down and giving this teaching, and then all these people just simply being distracted and not giving it a second thought. A lot of people don't really know clearly what they believe. There's assumptions, there's things they've been told and they bought into it or they, they, they just went with it because they're honestly too distracted to stop and think about it. Why do you believe what you believe? What do you believe and, and it, can you explain it? That's really huge and we need to focus on that at times. Maybe there was people there that were distracted, and maybe you've been distracted to really hear from Jesus. A third reaction that's pretty common is deal-making, right? Jesus said some pretty radical stuff, and he was like, all right, now it's time for you to follow me. If you're all in, I want you to follow me. I want you to to take up your cross and follow Jesus. I want you to, to stop being angry. I want you to forgive. I want you to obey the Word of God. I want you to pray powerfully and he had all this stuff that that he was telling people to do and how to live and and imagine some people saying all right okay all right I I think you're Jesus I think you're God but I'm not really ready for the church thing I don't want to go to church every week but I will go to church I'll go to church once a month and then the other three days of the month I'll I'll uh, I'll be nice to my family we'll make sure we'll rest I'll help some people does that sound like a deal to you? Uh, I'm ready to be all in with Jesus, except that whole like uh, adultery thing. Like I think I'm I'm okay with like hanging out with different people and just going where the mood leads me, and you know I'll do everything else but that. And I'll I, I, God, if if I, if you let me have that, then then I'll give you extra in the tithe next week. We'll kind of make up for it. And Jesus is up there, God's up there going, you know what, I said no adultery, but you kind of sound like you made sense, that's a good deal all right, let's go with that. That's not how it works. You know, if Jesus called you into ministry, he said, you know what? I want you to go into ministry. I want you to become a a missionary to Mexico. And you're like, uh, I don't know about Mexico. That's a new language. Can I go with like maybe Canada or maybe Maine? And, or maybe I'll just get really involved in my church or maybe I'll do just a two week mission trip. and, And maybe God's up there going, I don't know why I didn't think of that. What a great deal. That's not how it works, but that's how we work work out our faith all the time. We try to make deals with Jesus. We try to make deals with God. Do you see yourself in that possible reaction? Another reaction, and the fourth one, isn't deal making, but it's redefin- redefinition. It's redefining what Jesus says. Oh, when he said not to judge, He really said, don't judge harshly, or don't judge all the time, or there's some times where you have to judge because those people are just so bad. Uh, Grace is really something that is is only available to some people sometimes. Or I I, I know God gives those people grace, but he doesn't give me grace. And we start redefining uh, what God has said. And we take what he said and we either add to it or we take away from it. Listen, God gives a warning in his word. He said, don't go to the right or the left of what I'm teaching you. Don't add to it or don't take it, take away from it. But so many times we react to what we're hearing by redefining. Those are four dangerous reactions to Jesus. The reaction that Jesus is calling us to is he's calling us to be disciple, which simply means to become a follower of, a student of Jesus, to be all in, to go after him. In the Old Testament, they talked about uh, being covered in the dust of your rabbi. When they would walk in the streets, the dusty streets with their sandals on, they walk around and it would kick up clouds of dust, and the students would get covered in the dust of the person that they were following. They'd be covered in the dust of their rabbi. Disciples are covered in the dust of Jesus. And we want to follow Jesus with our lives. And there were some people on the side of that mountain that weren't distracted. They didn't debate over the terms and the meanings of them. They, they, didn't, they didn't make any deals. Uh, they didn't just deny it. They said, we're in. We're ready to be followers of Jesus. We want to do what he has asked us to do, to think the way he's asking us to, to think and to believe that he is who he says he is. So what's been your reaction to the Sermon on the Mount? What what, what are you going to take away from it? We've loved getting our connection cards every week from a lot of you guys. And you fill these out digitally, you fill these out online. We ask you to fill them out every week, no matter if it's your first time or no matter if you're with us every time. We want you to keep doing that. And a lot of you have asked questions on these cards, as well as given prayer requests, as well as given some encouraging thoughts and some challenges. But here's here's some of the, the key questions that we have been getting from the cards. And we kind of wrapped them up into kind of three big categories, some of the main questions we heard over and over again. The first question is, am I really saved or was I just scared uh, out of hell? Was I just scared of hell or did I really get saved? And this is a really important question, and we're going to talk about this in a second. It's kind of the question, how do I know for sure that I'm saved? And this comes out of Jesus' teaching where he talks about their end being destruction or the, the broad path uh, leading to eternal damnation. Or when he, when he talks about uh, people will say, Lord, Lord, I, I worked for you. I did good things in your name. And he says, depart from me. I never knew, knew you. How do I know for sure that I'm saved? The second question that we heard a lot about was about our judging uh, teaching. And in that judging teaching, people said, well, how how do we correct bad behavior? How do we correct bad behavior and still obey this idea of not judging? And that's a great question. We're gonna cover that real quick as well. And then third, and this is gonna get us into our topic of freedom. People said, does Jesus really, really want me to be happy? And that seems like a new concept to us, or it seems like bad theology. Like, I, can I really be happy? Is, like, is that our main goal? Doesn't he want me to be holy? And like, he's not worried about our happiness. And, and what we're talking about is Jesus saying, yeah, I've come to give you happiness. I've come to give you true, full, abundant life. And so does Jesus really want us to be happy when he's offering us the Christian faith, when we become followers of Jesus? Will we actually be happier? And these are great questions. And so let's, let's answer them and just talk through them from my heart to yours today uh, really quickly. The first question is, how do I know for sure that I'm saved? How do I know for sure that I, I got saved when I got saved? And for a lot of people, especially when you were saved as a younger child, you, you may have heard the stories about hell, like is my story. And you may have said, you know what? I don't want that. So I'm going to do whatever you tell me to do. I'm going to say whatever you tell me to say. I'm going to pray whatever you tell me to pray. I'm going to pray that. And magically, I have this ticket out of hell. And, and now I'm saved. Now, is that how it works? You know, there, there is a question about whether or not salvation is true and genuine if you're just trying to get something. If it's you just trying to work out things again, like why, what, what does it mean to be saved if I have to pray a prayer? Isn't that just another work for salvation? Does that mean I think I've saved and I'm not actually saved? So, so how does somebody know for sure that they're saved? You know, I struggled with this for a long time myself. When I became a teenager, looking back at my experience, I was terrified of hell when I was young, and I told you this story last week about how I heard about the narrow road and the broad road leading to destruction, and I, I prayed for forgiveness of sins, and I accepted Jesus in my heart, and that was the moment I got saved, and I truly believed that. But later, I remember asking myself, did I really understand, did I really believe, did it really count? And so I, I was at camp, and I had a counselor that I ended up talking to when I was about 13 or 14, and I'd spent a lot of time uh, leading up to those years saying, God, if I'm not saved, save me. Lord, if I, if I didn't believe in the right way, I want to believe now. And, and I kept wrestling with assurance of my salvation, and I finally sat down with this counselor, and the counselor took me to this passage that I quote a lot on Sundays. It's Romans 10:9. and it says, if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, you will be saved, not might be saved, but will be saved. And, and that was powerful for me because I asked these two questions. Do I believe in my heart that Jesus is Lord? Yes. I, I'm following him. I believe in him. I believe he died and rose, on the, uh, rose again from the cross for me. Do I confess with my mouth that Jesus is Lord? Yes. Yeah, I do. I, I want to be a follower of Jesus. Now, if those things are true, then you're saved. And that can happen when you're sick. That can happen because you heard about hell. That can happen because you heard about the love of Jesus. But there is not a miracle set of words. There's not this preset prayer that we pray that all of a sudden saves us. It's this belief in our heart and confession with our mouth that saves us. It's this receiving of the free gift. You know, we, we don't get saved just to get out of hell. We get saved because God's love overwhelms us. He loved us so much that He sent His Son to die for us. He loved us so much that he provides a a free way of salvation to us, that he covers our sins with his righteousness. That love of God overwhelms me. I, I think less about hell and more about the love of God as I grow in my faith. So how do you know for sure if you're saved? Listen, it's not work. You are not saved by doing good things, by going to church or by getting baptized. For by grace, you're saved through faith. It's a gift of God, not by works lest any man should boast. It's not a magic prayer. It's not say these words and then go on with the rest of your life. It's not something that comes because you sprinkled prairie dust on your life. It is faith in Jesus as Lord. I am deciding to follow Jesus. That decision to follow Jesus with your heart and with your life is the moment where you receive the free gift of salvation. Are you following Jesus? Have you decided to follow Jesus? If the answer is yes, I, I know I'm a sinner, I've asked Jesus to forgive me of my sins and, and come into my life and to be my savior, then, then you are a follower of Jesus that cares about pleasing him. In James, it says something crazy. If faith without works is dead. If you have faith, but you just go on living your life like there's no God and there's no sermon on the mountain, there's no teaching, then maybe your faith is dead. Maybe it's not real. If you have not changed your life because of your faith, then maybe the question is, am I saved? But if you have faith in God in your heart, and you confess him with your mouth, with your actions, then you can be sure that you're saved. If you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, you will be saved. Not that you won't make mistakes. Not that you won't have dry seasons. We all have those things. But if you keep coming back to caring about what God is and who God is, then salvation's not your issue walking with that God is. So how can I know for sure I'm saved? Do you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord? If the answer is yes, you're saved. Absolutely 100%. Whether it happened at six years old, whether it happened at 26, 66, or you're not sure when it happened, you just know that's where you're at. Then you are saved. You're in, you're following Jesus because you've decided to follow him. Hey, it was a journey for me, and if you have any more questions about that, put that on your connection card. If today you want to make sure that you're saved, you want to believe in Jesus, you want it to be done once and for all, then I would encourage you to say a prayer, to say this prayer of uh, echoing what your heart already believes. God, I know I'm a sinner. I believe Jesus died on the cross for my sin. I want to accept the free gift of salvation. Come into my life and save me. Be my Lord. If you've prayed that prayer, if you've made that decision today, then please let us know. Let us know in the chat room, let us know in your connection card that today you decided to follow Jesus. We'd love to talk to you about baptism, which is a pretty awesome next step. The second question that we got a lot of was this question, can we, how can we correct bad behavior and not judge? So if you remember in the Sermon on the Mount, uh, Jesus says, don't judge, right? We have this huge problem. Why do we judge other people who have a splinter in their eye if we have a log in ours? And, and so he clearly says not judging. The church is, is known, has a reputation for being judgmental. We've got to fight against that. As a matter of fact, we said because in our culture, disagreement is seen as judgment, we've got to double down on love. That's extremely important. And so we have this this reputation to get a hold of. Who are you to judge me? The Bible says, who are you to judge your neighbor? God is the ultimate judge. Yet he has set down rules for our lives. And so when we share those rules, when we explain those rules, when we talk about those rules, we're we're not judging someone. We are just explaining the truth that's already been presented. So what Jesus does give us in regards to judging is first of all, Jesus gives us steps for just judgment. This is super important and this comes right out of the Sermon on the Mount. Remember he said, first, take the log out of your eye. Step number one, do some self-inspection, confession. Make sure that you're dealing with your stuff, that you're getting things right. That's first and foremost, that you realize that you're just as bad as everybody else. You're no better than anyone. And we're trying to help each other. The second thing he says, then get the speck out of your friend's eye. He then says, yeah, you are going to want to do an intervention. You are going to want to give counsel. You are going to want to correct bad behavior. And because, and we said this with this, with the sermon, nobody wants splinters in their eyes. And so we do want to be about helping people correct bad behavior. The second thing Jesus does is he gives us the authority to judge correctly. Remember in John chapter 7, verse 24, it says, Don't judge by outward appearance, but judge correctly. And some of you have been given not only the authority, but the responsibility to judge. Every parent has been given this assignment by God. We have to judge our kids. We have to assess their position. We have to figure out what they're doing and why they're doing it. And if it's wrong, we have to correct that behavior. We have to punish bad behavior. That is judgment. Every boss has has that responsibility to judge their employees. We have have been given positions in God's system uh, where we're over people, where we're responsible for people. And God says, yeah, you need to judge correctly in those moments. So he gives us steps. He gives us authority. And he also says, he gives us an example. The last and the most important thing that that we want to point out with this answer is this. Jesus treats the lost with compassion and love. People who are broken, people who are sinful, people that have made mistakes, the adulterers, the prostitutes of this world, he treats them with compassion and love. In Luke chapter 15, Jesus tells three stories, the lost sheep, the lost coin, and the the lost son. He talks powerfully in those three stories about how he goes all out to seek and to save that which is lost, to find, to give, to love, to go after those that are lost. And in that story, Jesus says this, and it becomes a powerful understanding of truth for us, our mission is to love people when they don't behave so that they might believe. That's the assignment that we've been given. That's the example that Jesus set. We're supposed to love people that don't behave so that they might believe. That's the opposite of judgment. You see, we said judgment is not asserting, uh, ascertaining a position, but it's thinking less of a person. Imagine if you went to the doctor's office and the doctor diagnosed you with cancer. And he came in and he said, listen, I've got some bad news for you. You have cancer. And then the doctor said, and you disgust me. How could you have cancer? That's that's disgusting to me. I don't want any part of you. Go away. Don't ever come back and talk to me again. Get as far away as me possible. Or he said something like this. How could you have cancer? What have you possibly done to get this cancer? You're a horrible person filled with this sick disease. And just, just you're gross. And I am so much better than you. Or, or maybe he would say, you have cancer, but I don't. And I'm better than you. And, and I'm higher than you. And I'm, I'm healthier than you are. We'd all go away quickly from that doctor because that doctor judged us. That's what God is telling us not to do. He's not telling us not to identify the cancer or not to identify the problem or not to identify the sin. We're supposed to do that in a great and godly way, but we never, we never cast out the person or treat people with disgust and grossness or separate ourselves from them. We actually should love them more. We should be the doctor that says, hey, you have cancer and I'm here to help. I'm here to walk with you. I'm here to love you. If you want to address this, if you want to get the the medicine or get a treatment plan, I'll help you with it. If you you ignore it, I'm still going to be your friend and I'm going to walk with you through this and help you all along the way as best as I possibly can. That's how Christians should be in this world. Hey, to, to not judge doesn't mean to not teach. We get to teach. We get to teach everything God has commanded us, but we do it in love. That's the doctor we want to be around. That's the Christian we should want to be around. Colossians 4, 5, and 6 goes a little bit farther, and it says this, Walk in wisdom towards outsiders, making the best use of the time, letting your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how you ought to answer each person. We do treat people who are a part of the family of God different than we treat people who don't know Jesus yet. That's clear in Scripture. As a matter of fact, we're probably harsher with our brothers and sisters, a little bit more blunt, a little bit more direct, a little bit more uh, um, convincing of the consequences. But with those who are outside the church, we treat them with just love of neighbor. And we, we don't expect people to behave before they believe. That's weird. That's backwards. That's judgment. The quickest way that we can change the world is one heart at a time. Politics isn't going to change the world. Uh, um, uh, 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 Leadership isn't going to change the world. Uh, uh, Medicine isn't going to change the world. Social money isn't going to change the world. Social dynamics isn't going to change the world. Jesus is going to change the world. He's going to do it one heart at a time. So we love people so that they believe, and then in believing, we teach them what Jesus has taught them to do. So what do we do? How do we how do we correct bad behavior without without being a uh, judgmental? Number one, be a good example. Show other people what it means to live the good life, the life that Jesus has brought us to live. Number two, be amazing at grace. Comes right out of this verse. Let your speech be seasoned with grace. So be amazing at it. Be quick to forgive. Be quick to, to, to have mercy and to pour out grace on people. It's what Jesus did for us. And so it's what we do with other people. So be amazing at grace. He also says, speak the truth then in love. When you have the opportunity to share truth, to share, to share the diagnosis, then speak it, but speak it in love, seasoned with salt. Uh, say it kindly. And then number three, be ready to give an answer when they ask. A lot of times we proclaim, we prop out, we post on social media, judgment on world kind. They didn't ask. But when you have a friend, when you have a family member, when you have someone that's close to you, someone that you know, that you love, that has a problem, that has a question and they ask, then be ready to give an answer. So as we look at these key questions, those are two great questions. I hope that this heart-to-heart conversation has helped you understand these answers. But, but here's a third question, and we'll end with this today. Does Jesus really want me to be happy? Does Jesus really want me to be happy? Now, remember, this is the Sermon on the Mount, and we've titled this series, The Good Life. And this entire time we've been talking about how to live the good life. And it's not something that you can get. It's not something that you can work for. It's not something that you can grab and go after. If I just think hard enough, if I just work hard enough, finally I'll be happy. If I find the right wife, if I have the right job, that's not how we get the good life. That's why this is so radical. And Jesus says, no, I want you to have the best possible life you could have. I want you to live the way you were designed to live. And in that, you will have true happiness. And he starts off the entire Sermon on the Mount with this word, blessed. And when he talks about blessing, he's talking about happy and blessed. He's talking about joyful and content. It's this full meaning of this understanding of what it really, really means to be happy. Not entertained, not just laughing all the time, but soul, peace, doing what I was designed to do, fulfilling my purpose in life. That's what the Sermon on the Mount is all about. So he says first, remember, blessed. You you get to be salt and light. Everybody likes salt. Everybody likes light. Like, those are two amazing assignments that you get to have in this world. Go out there and be salt. Make it a better place. Be the light of this world, penetrating into the darkness, the thing that's broken in our world. He wants us to, to know and love and obey God's Word. You have the words of God Himself guiding you as a lamp unto your feet and a light unto your path. Like, That's really good news. If someone would only tell me what to do, God has. He's told us exactly what to do. This is Jesus' sermon on the mount. He then says we're supposed to love and we're supposed to be generous, kind, even to our enemies. And he gives us this incredible explanation of what it means to love our enemies and love those that love us. Man, if we can get the corner on love, God says that they'll know you by our love. He's come to bring us true depth of love. I remember falling in love. I remember meeting my wife. We met in 1998 at a summer camp. That year, she had a boyfriend. I was single. She she was an amazing lady, and there was over 50 college students that worked there that summer, and she would take her weekends, our time off, and she would cut all of their hair for free. She's a hairstylist. That impressed me. I'm like, that's one impressive young lady. The next summer, the summer of '99, she came back. We ran into ourselves, ran into each other again. And she, she said, uh, I learned that. Well, she didn't say, but I learned this through a friend. She had broken up with her boyfriend. That's right, Ben. Game on, right? That's all I needed to hear. So I'm like, hey, Jen, can you cut my hair? That summer started a relationship, which ended us falling deeply in love with one another. She is the, the greatest blessing in my life, and love is awesome. <laughs> love, is, love is a precious thing to have. It's a choice, it, it's work, it's self sacrifice, it's so much more than a feeling. But it brings into your life this incredible light. And God says, This is what I want you to have every day with every relationship from me to you love and generosity. He then says, I want you to pray powerfully. He gives us the greatest power in the universe right at our fingertips. And he hands it to us and says, You can do this anytime when it hurts, when it's hard, when you're happy, when it's celebrating, in temptation, in the valley of the shadow of death, you can pray powerfully to our Father who art in heaven. Hallowed be your name. Your will be done. Your kingdom come on earth as it is heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Man, this powerful prayer that we have access to, he then tells us that we can forgive. There is freedom in forgiveness And he powerfully gives us this this amazing spiritual step that we can take in our lives to free us from so much pain and anxiety. He gives us hope in heaven. This world is not our home. And then a solid foundation, the rock to build our life on that even when the storms come, will never fall. Does Jesus want me to be happy? Yes, yes, yes. Yes, and he wants you to stop going after happiness in all the wrong places. He doesn't want you to find it in addiction or in other relationships. He doesn't want you to find it in the things of this world, the sin that feels so good. Yeah, sin feels good. If you're sinning and it doesn't feel good, you're probably doing it wrong, but it's not true happiness. All of that will fail and it'll fall. It'll be like sand, but Jesus wanted to give us a full and blessed life that we were designed to give. This is it. This is the life, the radical life, the good life that God has given you, and he wants you to live life and live it more abundantly if you decide to follow Jesus. So what's next? Where do we go from here? If you're sitting on that mountain and you hear Jesus preach and he's just he, he wraps it up, he says, thanks for joining us today, you're dismissed. And you're not distracted, you're not redirecting, you're not making a deal, but you're ready to be a disciple. What's next? Well, what happened in Matthew chapter six happened to Jesus all the time. In Matthew chapter eight, excuse me, it says, when he came down from the mountain, great crowds followed him. The next thing we do after hearing Jesus is we do what these crowds did and we follow Jesus. They literally followed him. Listen, Jesus would do this Sermon on the Mount maybe hundreds of times. He would go to different places and he would teach people these themes and these truths and some of the same same lessons and the same stories and the same parables would come up over and over again. And every time Jesus taught, his followers, his crowd that followed him got bigger You know, Jesus just didn't have the 12 disciples that followed him. He had so many more, hundreds upon hundreds of people who literally went with him wherever he went, who got covered in the dust of their rabbi. And Jesus says, hey, what's next? Now it's time to follow me. It's time to follow Jesus. How do we follow Jesus? Well, that's what we're going to be talking about at Branch Life Church during the rest of this summer and in this next series that we're calling Follow the leader. If you're watching this at a later date, we want to encourage you to jump into the follow the leader series next as we continue on through Matthew. But after one of these teaching times, Jesus turned to those disciples who followed him off of the mountain, those people that were ready to be all in. Now listen, it's a different audience. He wasn't talking to the people who were against Jesus or the people who were distracted or even the people who were trying to figure him out. He's now talking to people who followed him. And this is what he says in John chapter 8, verse 31 and 32. So Jesus said to the Jews who had believed, and that was where he was teaching, if you abide in my word, and you are tr- then you are truly my disciples. Believing in Jesus will change your life. You're going to do what he says to do. You're not going to do what he says not to do. You're going to build the church. You're going to love generously. You're going to forgive freely. And if you know the truth, the truth will set you free. Next, we're going to be talking about true freedom because true freedom comes from following Jesus. This is where we're truly free. Next week, we're going to talk about this idea of true freedom and what it means to be following Jesus. And here's the problem. Most people don't know that they're still slaves. A lot of us are out there and we think we're free because we're making our own choices, because we live in a free country, because we have, we have a- autonomy. I can do what I want to do when I want to do it. But really, we are still slaves. We're slaves to our own minds, our own thoughts, our own actions. We are are following a system, and we are bound by that system. And what Jesus is saying is the truth will set you free. It'll set you free from false religion. It will set you free from that pain that comes in your life in the dark moments when you're trying to fall asleep. It's going to set you free from anxiety and from worry. It's going to set you free from from this sin that ultimately leads to death, that's going to set you free from destruction. True freedom is found when we follow Jesus. And that's what we're talking about next at Branch Life Church. So the question is, are you free? Are you truly free? Jesus then answered in in John 8, verse 34, Truly, truly, I say to you, anyone who practices sin is slave to that sin. The slave does not remain in the house forever. The son remains in the house forever. So if the son has set you free, you will be free indeed. This is the message that Jesus was bringing to the world. True freedom is found when you follow me. And the crowds Follow Jesus. In these next several chapters, we're going to see that that leaders followed Jesus, that the weather, the storms, the wind followed Jesus. The spiritual realm followed Jesus. We're going to see that the sick and the lame uh, and the blind followed Jesus. We're going to see soldiers and centurions and moms and dads and kids who followed Jesus. Tax collectors followed Jesus. Religious leaders followed Jesus. The poor followed Jesus. The adulterers followed Jesus. The prostitutes followed Jesus, and they became free. We're going to talk about what it means to follow Jesus, and we want to invite you to join us. Thank you guys for being a part of today. Just fill out that connection card. If you have any questions about what it means to be a, a, a be saved, go to branchlife.church and go to our gospel tab, and then come back next week as we jump into this brand new series called Follow the Leader.